John Podcast Network. What? <laughs> I didn't know how you wanted me to start. Well, how do you want to start? Should I start it? Sure. I don't remember the scene well enough to be like... Well, I'm trying to think of if I should bother doing like a, a phone noise or whatever. Ring, ring. <laughs> ring, ring. Ring, ring. Hello? Hello. I don't fucking... No, shut up. You can't talk in your normal voice. Stay in character. Don't break the scene. Fine. Who is this? You know who it is. You've been looking for me. How do I know this is really you? You were born during the 1983 Westminster Dog Show. In a snowstorm. How do you know that? I mean, you could have Googled it, but... More proof, Mr. Bush? What's in my hand right now? Your cellular telephone. <gasps> what am I hosting? A podcast. And scene. <laughs> good you're <laughs> when i said hello you went hello <laughs> <laughs> mothman's kind of flirty in this one i had seen the commercials and like it's just that one little snippet from mm-hmm. it it's not like they do the whole thing or anything yeah okay i'll yeah. call off the execution then. oh boy <laughs> well i i told you about this no you're apologizing to the audience for not doing a like note perfect parody of a scene from this film and you don't need to do that. Okay. Because if they know that scene word for word, mm-hmm. oh, geek check. I don't yeah. know what to tell you. There's somebody out there that this is their favorite fucking movie. There's somebody out there that that's true of every every movie. I know. And that's fair. And that's totally fine. Yeah. We're still going to make fun of it. But no, t- today we are here to talk about the 2002 supernatural thriller, The Mothman Prophecies. Yeah. Directed by Mark Pellington, who's a uh, frequent and, I believe, still music video director. Um, he, oh, yeah. He directs other films. Um, yeah. But I think he still is active think, in music videos. I think he also might have done a couple of, like, TV movies. Runtime is one hour, 59 minutes, and is rated PG-13. And I, I could not tell you why. Yeah. I what mean... in this is, like, above PG? Right? There's no violence in this. Oh, I guess there's a, sh- a guy is held at g- shotgun point, but no one is shot. No, like, I think it's that they thought there's... that the bridge scene might be too scary to be a PG. Ugh. It's um... a, there's, I mean, there's no gore. No. There's no violence. Yeah. There's no sex. It is, like, insane to me that this is PG-13. This is probably only PG-13 so that, like... Yeah, it's a politically PG-13. It's yeah. that, like... You Teens know, won't yeah. go see it if it's PG because they're like, it's for kids. Sure. But, you know, you can't make it R because, I mean, literally there's nothing in it for an R. I mean, I guess Richard Gere could have walked around the whole time being like, fucking West Virginia, this this place sucks my dick. And, like, they could have gotten an R on language alone. It's very tense. There's 
tons of atmosphere. And it does a great job of... I've talked about this before, and again, if anyone knows the word I'm looking for, I once read this word. It's in another language. It was on one of those, you know, listicles of, like, words we don't have the English equivalent to. It was a word that meant something like, in anticipation of... I think it was actually, like, enlightenment. And it's a word that, like, fell out of my head years ago, because, I mean, how often would I have used that? But, I mean, I guess... If I had had this podcast for longer, it would have been into my rotation more, but... So, it's almost like the other side of the coin of fear of the unknown is fear of knowing big truths or yeah, something? It's, it's, yeah, it's the feeling of impending enlightenment. It is something akin to dread, but not dread. It's, it's that you feel as though an epiphany is coming. Okay. And this movie is like all that. Apparently, the actual MPAA designation was uh, PG-13 for terror. Some sexuality and language. What is the sexual? Oh, there's teens making out. Well, and they are fucking in a closet. They have all their fucking clothes on. They are. Yeah. It's heavily implied that that's what's happening there, though. It's Mm -hmm. the implication. No one in that scene is like, put it in. Your dick, I mean. I'm so vaginally moist for you. There's There's no description. There's no fucking. Yeah, they're on the ground making out fully clothed. That's not fucking sex. As far as the MPAA is concerned. Like, well, the MPAA was Ralph in the situation where they saw a baby and the baby looked at them. <laughs> Fair. Fair. <laughs> the baby looked at you? Um, where do you want to start with this film? Um, we did our killer opening bit. So yeah. Yeah. We're already way out ahead. So, yeah, so I saw the trailers on TV when I was maybe like 13, 14. Sure. And this looks scary as shit. And what it is, is they actually, it's like a super cut of the whole movie. We watched the trailer after watching the whole movie. And I was like, wow, they give you this whole fucking movie. Yes. Like, even the shit that doesn't actually matter to the plot, which is what you should really be selling a trailer on. It's yeah. like what the movie's about, not like the hero's emotional journey, which sure. is a big part of the film, but not something I would sell right. the film on. But you know? yeah, there's almost as much Deborah messing in the trailer as there is in the movie yeah 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 so again my my journey with this i saw it the movie being advertised on tv when i was 13 14 years old and then i never saw it till now till now but i've also watched i don't know i mean i'm gonna say at least two but maybe more documentaries about the mothman and about like the silver bridge collapse and all that stuff so i've had a lot of like mothman exposure since then that I think I actually would have had a Mark worse... Mark expose himself to you? <laughs> yeah, here, Clancy. So I actually think that I had a better time with this than I would have if I hadn't had any exposure to, like, the real-life implications are, or what the, you know, what what's actually happened. What's based on. Right, yeah. Because, yeah. like, they do actually have a lot of references to, like, some of the real phenomenon yes. and lore and all that stuff. So yep, that's actually the... really cool. It's just I wouldn't have known that if I came into it blind like that. You know? Right, yeah. Some of the stories he gets when they're doing their rounds interviewing people are kind of verbatim real people's ex- encounters with, yeah. with the Mothman. I guess we should, I guess I should uh, say hi briefly to... Oh. Uh, my friend Amy, uh, they run Not, Not Bad, Bad Luck. Luck. They're a, it's like a pin and patch and things, uh, a, a company. Very cool. Very nice person who is also into like cryptid stuff, I should yeah. say. You can't say, can't say crypto. crypto stuff anymore because the bros took it. The crypto bros. Crypto fucking currency. I can't even say that the worst thing cryptocurrency has done is made the preface crypto suck. 
because it's actually not. The worst thing it's done is exist and like ruin people's lives. Yeah. But for me personally, because I never bought into that bullshit because it's so transparently uh, a fucking Ponzi scheme. Mm-hmm. The worst thing it did for me is like piss me off because I can't say I'm into crypto stuff. You have to say cryptozoology like a nerd and then push your glasses up. I always did that. <laughs> My old band had a song called Cryptozoology. Yeah. So, um, yeah, but Amy is into uh, uh, yeah the cryptid stuff and I think pretty recently went to Point Pleasant, the moth statue. Um, that thing's is, cool as hell. It's cool as hell. It's got red eyes. Yeah. It's like Mothman. You know, they like, they like, they like Mothman stuff, so they might listen to this yeah. one. Hi. Well, were you done with your experience with... Yeah, that I, I thought it was going to be a very scary movie and, I mean, it's it's moody. It's not like scary moody yeah, is a good word yeah. it is it is a mood it is ambient yeah it's this more than most things that uh kids now nowadays uh describe as being like all about the vibes yeah mothman prophecies is about all about the vibes oh totally my experience with this film is as such like you i saw the trailer and uh my friend we we were both into like cryptid stuff and you know american american myth type you know, bigfoot yeah. and lock and not even Lock Ness is an American, obviously, but no, like, but like Champy, Champy, but I mean, just like all that sort of stuff. Any of that s- spooky, supernatural yeah. stuff. Sure. A lot of it is American, mm-hmm. but there's stuff all around the world, obviously. Oh, totally. We were like, oh shit, they making a movie about Mothman? That's cool. We went and saw it. We were like the only, not the only ones in the theater, but mostly. Yeah, there's nobody in there. We're sitting like perfect seats, middle of the theater, middle of the row, like, and this whole movie, I'm like, something would happen. I'd look over, and he's covering his eyes, <laughs> and I'm like, I was leaning over, I was like, dude. Nothing is happening. And he'd be like, I know, I can't stop. I just was like laughing at him. And, you know, whatever. The movie would keep going. We keep watching it. It does and have a few very tense spots. D- but Yes, tension, yeah. yes. Mm-hmm. But, you know, after a while you have to realize nothing is, there's no monster popping out. That's that's the thing. Mm-hmm. Every time. Now, there is stuff in here that I'd, I'd forgotten. There's like, you know, they do like a bunch of like weird cheap flashes of things that happen and when people are talking about Mothman, they do like what their interpretation of it might look like kind of things. Sure. Yeah, yeah. There's somebody talking about the fucking, uh, I think it's in the chemical plant mm-hmm. or maybe it's what, you know, Richard Gere is imagining might happen, but there's like a silhouette of Mothman and mm-hmm. and like nothing is happening like visually this whole movie. Mm-hmm. The whole movie is, is it epistolary novel? Is that the novel where it's like... A novel, like, of letters between characters. So, I mean, this is very much, like, people telling stories. Mm-hmm. Like, we're not really seeing any of the things happening in real time. No. It's always being communicated to another character. Right. Like Even it's, as it's, it's happening in some cases. Yeah, it's but, frequently, like, second or third hand or whatever. Right. And yeah. sometimes, like, whatever, we'll get into it. But, so, you know, the whole movie isn't, you're not seeing shit. It's not a Jason movie yeah. where it's like... Oh, a big guy jumped out and it's he hacked even, off a limb. It's not even a Blair Witch. It's closer to Blair Witch. Right. But they're in the action. Yes. They're running from yes. noises they heard. Right. They are active participants right. in the scenario. Whereas in this, it's mostly like you, you phone did, calls right. and, and reading reports and then re-interviewing people who saw a thing X amount of time before. Mm-hmm. And it's not exactly like, you know, and they, they do like some reenactment footage. But my point is, it's not a visually frightening film, really. No. It's very tense and you don't know what you're yeah. going to see. But he kept covering his eyes and I kept being, it like, you do not have to do, cover your ears, if anything. Yeah. He's like, I know, I can't stop. And he's like laughing, you know. Yeah. Um, and for years after this film, there's a scene, uh, which was in the, all the trailers. Yeah. He goes, you know, uh, Richard Gere is getting a phone call from this voice and the voice, you know. 
telling him all this information that he couldn't possibly know you were born in a greenhouse and all this shit. And he's like, how do you know that? And he's like, I know many things and all this. And he goes, well, what's in my hand? And he puts his hand in the drawer next to his, uh, you know, uh, uh, hotel bed. And he goes, chapstick. They put a lot of stank on that. Oh, yeah. It's like more so than a lot of the other audio. <laughs> and so for years, I would do this to him. Mm-hmm. Because it always got like a Pavlovian like jerk response. Uh-huh. Like we'd be driving and I I would like open his console and start digging around in it. And yeah. I'd be like, do you have any? Is there any in here? And he, you know, eventually he'd be like, what? What are you asking for? What are you looking for? And I'd be like, chapstick. And he'd be like, oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> or I'd be in the basement where all our friends hung out and got high. And mm-hmm. I'd be like patting all my pockets and being like, where is it? Where is it? And somebody would be like, what the fuck are you looking for? I'd be like, chapstick. And he'd be like, oh, come on. <laughs> yeah, it was fun. But I left this movie very much pissed off. And I'll tell you why. I, I know I've been a- now, having seen it again, I've not seen it since theaters until two nights ago when we watched it. Mm-hmm. Now, all these years later, I know why. It's because I like cryptids. I like Mothman. I like Bigfoot. I like all those guys. I like the Chupacabra. I like, you know, yeah. The Jersey Devil. The Jersey Devil. I like, you know, Champy. I like yeah. Champlain Monster. I like Nessie. I like, you know, they're cool. They're fr- I want to be friends with them. Drop bears are fine. Drop bears, yes. <laughs> the thing about Mothman is there's so many different accounts of Mothman and Mothmen from around. I mean, as the movie covers, it's a thing. It's a phenomenon. Yeah. But from the, the, the Point Pleasant, you know, stories, there's so many accounts of what it looked like. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's some constants across the whole thing, but height's a little different. Yeah. Demeanor is a little different. Shapes a little different. Head is different. Wings are different. Like, so I was really excited to see anybody just like nail down. This is what it looks like. Not as a, not like obviously not like the definitive. Like, oh, we know for sure. We found one, and we based we got K and B effects to you know do a based on the real corpse of the real moth. Nothing like that. But just like give me anything where I'm like, yeah, that's what it looks like. Mm-hmm. Like Harry and the Hendersons. Everybody generally agrees on what Bigfoot looks like over the years. Yeah. And then in the 80s or whatever, they make Harry and the Hendersons. And there's a Bigfoot guy in it. Even though we all kind of knew what we thought Bigfoot looked like, it was nice to see a big rubber suit, animatronic face or whatever. Mm-hmm. Sasquatch. And it was cool for me yeah. to, to be able to see that and be like, yeah, yeah, look. Like, it looks real. Therefore, it could be real. Yeah, and this is all blurs and drawings. Well, and yeah, stuff. and then I yeah. left the movie being like, not a single rubber suit guy. Not a single fucking monster. Not a single nothing. And I was pissed off. And um, when we were talking about, hey, what do you want to do for this episode? I was like, you want to do a good movie or a bad movie? You were like, let's do a bad movie. Mm -hmm. So I had something else and then something else. And then I was like, ooh, do you want to do Mothman? And I very much did want to do Mothman because I hadn't seen it. And I'm like, I heard it's not as good as it looked, but it looked very scary. And And you might have heard that from me because I've been preaching the gospel of, boy, this movie sucks a dog's ass for years. Yeah. Friends... I have something to tell you. I quite like Mothman Prophecies oh, okay. now. I don't think I'll go that far. I, th- I think it was fine. I don't think it's going to make like my top list or anything like that. I do have other things I would recommend over it if you were looking for a certain... Point of order, yes. wouldn't it depend on what the list is? Well, if it's like Mothman movies, I don't even think it would be that high. I think I, I'd, I'd like some of the documentary ones more than this, but... 
there's stuff in here I liked and uh, there are concepts that they're playing. Like, like I really enjoy the very like uh, existential and interdimensional horror and stuff and the more like Lovecraftian things. And this dips a toe in there where it's it's about perception rather than there being, you know, concrete like extraterrestrials and that or whatever, you know, and that sometimes it's a manipulation of the way you're perceiving events rather than an actual like physical phenomenon or anything like that and that that's all very cool and i like that kind of stuff and so that is definitely like a point in its favor i don't think they really went that hard with it i feel like other movies have done that kind of stuff a bit better or a bit more compellingly a lot of it's like in very overcast like conversations as we're walking down a a, a dim street rather than actually like i like these concepts but i didn't feel like it was like yeah i think because you know film is such a visual medium that it does kind of require that is very fair some more visual stimulus for this sort of thing i i I think i would have been much more harsh on it if i hadn't known as much about the mothman mothman was viewed as a harbinger of something terrible and they really do make it a bit more literal in this movie than it kind of actually was in real life you know, a bunch of people around Point Pleasant were seeing this thing and it kind of culminated in a, a large disaster of a bridge collapse. A lot of people believe that the, the Mothman was either tied to that event in some way, maybe as a warning or maybe as a piece of that somehow. I don't know if people thought he caused it. And I mean, also now that I'm like thinking about that, I've definitely seen other movies that are like, oh, based on true events and they're either not as... um true to them as this is or they're dumber <laughs> or worse like what what's uh it? like when we saw robert robert uh based around that uh doll oh, the doll that looked like bobby play yeah <laughs> there's 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 a doll in florida it, yeah. he, he's like annabelle but he's less well doll. known yeah it's a yeah. haunted doll in florida <laughs> Um, named Robert. Yes, and there, movie. I think, are two movies about Robert. Yeah, and they're both are. not very good. No, we watched both of them. Yeah, did we? I think we did. So, hello, excellent humans. Welcome to another temporally skewed episode of Hate Watch Great Watch. I'm your co-host, Hunter Bush. And with me, as always... Allison. You're coolest. Oh, God. <laughs> Yeah. Well, that's the one thing I did that you liked. It was good. Well, no, I liked when you were like, well, hello, it's me, Horny Mothman. I'm outside and I'm fully erect. So I totally forgot uh, that there are actually people I know in this. Cause... Like friends of yours? No. Oh. But like actors I knew. Oh, yeah. Because we were watching this and I'm like, oh, fuck, Richard Gere stars? And I'm like, Jesus, like I... I know Richard Gere. I didn't know he was in this. And then, yeah, and he's married to uh, Deborah Messing, who's uh, Grace from Will and Grace. And That's I was correct. like, holy shit, Deborah Messing's in this? She's not in there for very long, but no. she's in there for a bit, and then she reappears. Yeah. And you know Connie. A little bit. Laura Linney. I know, less so. And I, I've heard Will Patton. I don't know how much of his stuff that I've seen, though. Now you definitely saw Armageddon. Yes. He's the guy that says, what are you doing with a gun in space? Which is one of my favorite lines in all of cinema. But so Richard Gere's presence in this is probably why there isn't more Mothman, more stuff, more visuals, more anything concrete. Oh, because they're trying to trade on him rather than... Well, you spend all your money on Richard Gere. I mean, this is, again, this is three... I mean, they probably filmed it in 2001. This is two years after he was voted the sexiest man alive. His cachet is huge. So I don't know how much he was... I don't know how much he got paid for this, but, like, it was probably a considerable amount, and that's fine. I'm not, you know... 
you could have gotten somebody lesser known with a lower profile in 2002 and then spent money on more visual things like whatever. Not that there was ever going to be a rubber suit monster in this, but like I said, there's some like pretty bad CG like layering of like weird spooky images, Mm -hmm. you know, at times, which is like uncanny because it's hard to describe what you're seeing because it's like just like a bad 2D image being like almost it's again i can't there's no words for it it's not like rotoscoped like there's no term for it but you're just you know mm-hmm. like, like a superimposition yeah, the, sort the, of the, situation the car accident yeah like there's a thing there's a shape you know yeah. that kind of comes at the camera but it's not animated in the space as though it is a thing that's physically there it's not like the way we would conceive of a cgi image now where it's like oh you're mm-hmm. creating a character a cgi you know, character in space that interacts with the environment, even though it's not actually there because it's computer generated. This is kind of like a still image that slides at the camera. Yeah. Um, Which it's, again, it's uncanny, which fits the film. Sure. But it does look cheap as fuck. Yeah. Which kind of, and this is where, this is where I started to tip into, this might actually be good. Besides the fact that, as I mentioned, like this is vibes, this is mood. Yeah. And the mood of it is so bleak. Yes. It does have a happy ending. So if you haven't watched it and you're going to watch it, it's cool. Like, you're not going to end on a note where you're like, Jesus Christ, I got to watch a bunch of puppies have birthday parties or whatever before I go to sleep or I'm going to have a miserable night. It's like, no, oh, it has a happy or, ending. Um, that guy that has the little hamster and he makes some burritos and stuff. Yes. The tiny burritos. Yeah. Yes. That's a good video. It is a good video. <laughs> As you kind of skirted around, like, whatever Mothman is or might be seems the move the, i'm gonna go with what the movie is positing not my own personal concepts or Although theories we can talk about that later yeah we can but the movie posits that the mothman or possibly mothmen have been seen for eons across yes. the globe by all different cultures they're known by many different names the moth has symbolism as a uh, antithesis to the butterfly so it's instead of being life and transformation it is darkness yeah what are they called uh, psychopomp um yes a psychopomp it helps usher people from the land of the living to the land of the dead. Sure. That kind of thing. Yes. So that in that in that fashion it is a harbinger. Whatever their function is have you heard the um what are they called? The something something elves. Is it four dimensional elves? I, have you ever heard this theory? No. It's the idea that like every supernaturally thing like this uh-huh. is the same thing it's it's oh that, that it's something from a higher plane of existence sure so but it's, it's always the same thing so it's like the blind man and the elephant where kind of yeah where it's you know you're lacking perception to see the whole thing so different people perceive different things so feeling the trunk oh it's you know lithe like a vine that's alive or feeling the legs like oh it's like a tree, tree trunk yeah. and you know feeling the tail it's yeah, a snake it's, yeah or a rope or whatever yeah that and then i mean like we do touch on that in the film as well yeah. when leek and klein are talking and you know he's like well for he, shorthand that's the book's author Yes. And uh, Richard Gere's Gere's character character, is John Klein. Yeah. He's like the Mothman or maybe somebody associated with the Mothman goes by the name Indrid Cold, which we can get into more thoroughly or you can look that up to find your own. I'll I'll tell you my thing with like what I remember Mm -hmm. because I've I've read and listened to a lot of things about these things. It's very interesting to me. Richard Gere's character, you know, Klein being like, oh, you know, he knows things and how do you explain that? And leak being like well look at that window washer up you know 
15 stories or whatever like he might be able to tell you about a car accident happening in the next block over and does that actually mean that he's got any special abilities or anything or, or even he... that he's smarter than we are right just that his perception is different right his vantage point is different yeah right which is a great metaphor right but yeah and so the the idea of like yes having like a different um position in our interdimensional confluence right in the superstructure of existence right and and giving you the perspective that they have some special abilities when really it's you know that they are in a different physical position in a metaphysical plane or whatever the hell the yeah they have a different vantage point they can see further than we can right it has to do with uh, the concept that time is uh not linear but that, that we are, time itself is its own dimension. And right. So that but that we be, are experiencing yeah. it linear, linearly. Right. And that for beings that wouldn't experience it linearly, things that are about to happen are the same as things that have happened are the same as things that are happening right now. Yes. See also Interstellar or yeah. the Watchmen comic books. Yeah. Moving along. <laughs> Let's talk about Mothman. Uh, the brief description of the film is that uh, we start with John Klein. Richard Gere. Richard Gere. Uh, and he is married to Mary. That's uh, 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 Deborah Messing. Messing, yeah. They're house hunting, and they settle on a house. And you can tell they settled on it because, I guess, much like feral animals, they've uh, marked their territory by having sex in the closet. Well, you need to make sure that the walk-in really had enough room to fuck in. I just... If you don't have a fuck-in closet, what are you even doing? Um, Gear's also a, a journalist at mm-hmm. the Washington Post. Yeah, we'll get there. Yeah. Driving back from successfully deciding to purchase this house so they could finish having sex in it. Which is actually what happens. That's not even a joke. That sounds like a joke I would make. That's actually what happens. Like, the realtor opens the closet door and is like, oh, you guys are, like, about to fuck. This house is yours if you want it, but you have to act fast. And Richard Gere's like, yeah, we're buying it, and shuts the door, and then presumably they have sex. Mm-hmm. Uh, with that guy right outside the closet door, like, definitely jerking off. Like, 100%. Yeah, well... They're driving home, and for whatever reason, Gear's like, how fast can you drive this car? And she's, uh, uh, Deborah Messing starts, like, speeding. On, like, a winter fucking, you know. Yeah. Frosty road. They're in D.C., I guess. That's where he. Yeah. He works out of D.C., so I Yeah, they live in Georgetown or whatever. So, a car stopped up ahead with brake lights, two red brake lights in Mm -hmm. the distance, like eyes. And. Yeah, there's a lot of, like, red light. There's a lot of recurrent images, which I will get to in a second, but. So, there's these two red brake lights. That's going to be important in a minute. This, again, this weird 2D image. So the, besides the red eyes, mm-hmm. a frequent image in this is basically the letter Y. Yeah. It's like a slightly askew letter Y mm-hmm. that the film keeps, like, dubiously planting in things. Like, it's not finding instances of this shape in nature or in things. It's, like, kind of finding it and then fudging it with, like, yep. visual fuckery. <laughs> Yeah. Which, again, I'm not mad at. I, I get it. I just think it could have been done a little... More, more elegantly. Elegantly, yes. Yeah. Uh, the word. What did we see? Um, the something house? The... Uh, was it night house? Yeah. The night house. Okay. Yes. And that had a bit of what they're trying to do here, but done more elegantly, where we have a, a repetition of form. So the thing she's talking about in the night house is there's the silhouette of a presence. Yes. In the house, but there's not like, it's not like, oh, there's a guy in a black suit or a guy that we like CG'd out yeah. or into. No, it's, it's like that... the spaces of like the rungs between like spindles on a staircase or something. Right. We'll is give the you... shape of a face. Yeah. Right. So specifically, they made a, a decorative column in the house shot from a certain angle, gives the profile of a man's face. 
and then like backed up against the way the shadow hits the door and so it makes like the shoulder shape and whatever and it's extremely creepy it's very good this does attempt that sort of thing a couple of times but doesn't really do it as effectively so uh, one notable thing is like there's an overhead shot of presumably west virginia even though this was filmed in pennsylvania and pittsburgh uh, what was the other town kittering there's a main street right and you know what happens with main streets other streets connect to it. Mm-hmm. So this overhead shot, it's like almost like drone shot of it. Just again, layered in is this like... Um, oh, sorry. Kittening. Kittening. Kittening, Pennsylvania. Okay. But so is a slightly lighter layer of the Y shape and it comes at the screen. Zhoosh, and it's like, apologies, Ms. Yakulis. Mm-hmm. There's nothing inherently threatening about the Y. Yeah. It's such a weird choice to be like, this is the shape of our moth man like this is a thing like the red eyes is somehow like you could do more with that yes especially because this movie likes to play with mirrors and perception and things and i think it's saying some things there but the why is like it's such a stretch the recurrent use of the why is basically gretchen wieners trying to make fetch happen Mm -hmm. it's almost like the why the last man like that logo where you're just like it's like oh it's a why yeah but it's like, but it's scary. Are you scared of it? It's like, no, there's nothing scary about this. It doesn't represent anything. And they're like, it kind of looks like a Mothman. It's like, it kind of looks like a Y. It doesn't look like a Mothman. It's playing with like symbology as if there's like a common aversion when there's not going to be, you yeah. know? I just think it's weird. It's a weird fucking call. And they try to hammer it home. So this like yeah. vaguely Y-shaped thing, you know, two-dimensional drawing of maybe a form comes at the camera. Mm-hmm. It looks like like a bad drawing of the Babadook. Like, it's just like a shadowy form. Yeah. And it comes a camera, and then um, the car spins out, and she whacks her head against the driver's side door, and we go to a hospital, and she wakes up, and she's like, you didn't see it. And he's like, what? No, what? Didn't see what? And she's like, you didn't see it. Oh, you didn't see it. And then we find out that she has uh, a glioblastoma. Yeah. And then... Which she, is brain cancer. It's a brain cancer. And then she dies. That's like five minutes of the movie. Yeah. Deborah Messing, gone. She's on like half the posters for this movie. Yeah. And well, maybe they figured it worked for Scream to have Drew Barrymore there and gone. <laughs> right. So then it cuts to two years later. There's This movie does so many weird movie things like that. Like, I understand you're trying to start with like the, a gripping mm-hmm. sequence. Like, she died. She inferred that there was a greater meaning, mm-hmm. you know, something going on that he didn't perceive. But then there's a huge time jump. It was a little creepy with the orderly being like, oh, she knew the end was coming because she kept drawing angels. Orderly needs to be fired immediately. Fire the orderly. The orderly is bad. He is not good. Do not have him in your hospital. Here is why. She's been dra- He goes, she's been drawing angels. And when fucking Richard Gere opens this book, if that's what this motherfucker thinks angels look like, he is a serial killer. They are like black, jagged forms with with red eyes. They are horrible figures. They are not angels. No way, no how. Maybe he was a biblical literalist. They don't even look like biblically accurate angels. No, I don't. Biblically accurate angels look like a bunch of hula hoops with eyeballs on them and too many wings. That's what they look like. Is it weird? Yes. But is it like... These all look like the drawing of, like, in a movie where it's like, Billy's been drawing some really upsetting things, and it's jagged men scratched into the page with every ounce of lead in that pencil. That's what she's been drawing. That's not angels. If that's what my wife was seeing right before she died, I would spend the rest of my life in every church possible praying for her immortal soul. Because I'm like, no, no, she saw the actual devil. Oh, in between getting regular checkups in the MRI machine to make sure you don't have one of those things in your head. Me? Yeah. 
I'm good. Yeah. Just... I didn't see nothing. Okay. I didn't crash the car. I didn't draw no fucking spooky men. Okay. I'm good. I'm Richard Gere. Look at me. I was the sexiest man alive two years ago. All I'm right. gonna look up who was the sexiest man alive in 2001 when they filmed this. Pierce Brosnan. Oh. Yep. Can't argue with that. Yeah. So, two years later, big time jump. John is trying to get his life back on track. And yada, yada, yada. He's going to drive down to, I don't, it doesn't matter, Richmond, Virginia, I mm-hmm. guess, to yep. um, interview a senator, governor. Yeah. A guy for a thing. Yeah. It doesn't matter because he got warped well, he, 400 miles well, he does, over. It, the guy actually does matter because he comes back at the end of the film. Oh, okay. But, um, yeah. Oh, senator, he's the guy that was touring mm-hmm. the, Okay. Oh, yeah, Richard Gere makes a point of saying, like, he was who I was going to interview. It's all coming together. It's a fake-out fake epiphany. I missed that. That actually makes more sense that he would assume that that was what was happening. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So he's driving down to Richmond, Virginia, to interview Governor McCallum for whatever, and he gets, there's, like, a little highway hypnosis sequence where we're layering in, like, the lines on the highway speeding by and blurring together on the side of the road, and the lights all kind of get, like, trails behind them and whatever, and then... His car stops working. It's kind of like when they talk about when you get abducted by aliens, where it causes electrical freakouts and you lose time and stuff. Yes. Yeah, the console in the car like yeah. kind of like spazzes out a bit and then goes dark. Yeah, he's like tapping it to try. Yeah. Is it just a loose wire? And it just turns off and he gets out of his car. And they do a real... Um, it's cool. Of, there's kind of a light in the sky well, when he gets out. Too. There's lightning first. Yes. And then they're, like it's like flash. And then there's a flash, like prolonged held lightning. Yeah. Um, which I think is cool. And I don't want necessarily want to call it subtle because it's kind of not. But it, no. it might it might have gone unnoticed by people. But I, if, I thought it was a cool effect. I mean, also, yeah, with the X-Files, like that's sort of what they're talking about there, too, where it's not all aliens. Sometimes it's also just like the unexplained. And again, it's. I was sort of talking about this earlier, but the, I don't know, I got to look it up what it's called, but the, like, the machine elves, is that what they're called? But it's basically, like, um, something that uh, services the machinery of the universe. Yes, machine elves, DMT elves, that's what, fractal elves. Yeah, apparently on DMT, your consciousness will get, can actually pierce the veil, as it were, of our dimension and encounter the beings that live outside of it, which uh, Terrence McKenna referred to as mm-hmm. self-replicating machine elves or whatever it is, self-transforming machine elves. Mm-hmm. But that's the idea here is that the unifying theory of all spooky things that like everything that we perceive as supernatural all has its basis in being somehow just outside of our reality. You know, Bigfoot isn't some unevolved branch of humanity that you know managed to avoid detection for hundreds of years and ghosts aren't a physical soul that is trapped on you know uh, this plane our, or yeah, whatever, yeah it's that existence uh, is present in planes of reality that we're not privy to and some of them are energy based so that's what we conceive of as a soul is it's you know etc etc like it's a very high-minded theory Mm-hmm. Um, but that's kind of what this movie, I think, is poking at with regards to what Mothman is. Yes. Oh, definitely. Uh, because I, because way... it also leans heavily on he is a gray alien. Yeah. Well, because, I mean... there are There is yes. a straight-up gray alien face in this movie. Yes. To be clear, is not what Mothman supposedly looks like. Well, and to, to break the, you know, thing a bit, like, he's on the phone repeatedly with Indrid Cold, who kind of... 
either maybe is an avatar of the Mothman or something like that, or possibly might be like a Men in Black kind of situation. In reality, he's injured cold might be his name, although you were saying that that might be a mishearing. Yeah. But also that like he's more commonly known as the Grinning Man which that's a common men in black thing is um, the men people in black that don't act like right. normal. Right. People. They, they look kind of like people, but their emotions and reactions are not in sync with what you'd expect a normal person to emote yeah. or react to a situation. It's high strangeness. They do yeah. this so that you won't, which is true. Government agencies do do things that are fucking weird because so when if you talk about right. it, it because, makes you sound like you're crazy. So when one really crazy thing happens, it blows all your fucking receptors. And that's all you can think about. And you forget, oh, there were these weird, subtle, like, body and voice changes that they were doing. Like, I think they were lying to me. Wait, I totally forgot because that guy just walked in here nude. And you're like, what was I thinking about? I don't remember. I just, that guy's big, scary penis. We watched Cruising with uh, Al Pacino. Yes. And the big, yeah. there's a huge buff cop that walks in in a jockstrap. Yeah. And gets in his face and yeah. like screams at him and then leaves. And not only was that a tactic that the cops actually used to negate the reliability of people who might say like, hey, they were abusing me in there. They beat the shit out of me until I confessed to a crime. Like they were physically yeah. assaulting me. Mm-hmm. And it's like, and then this guy, this big black dude walked in and he was like just wearing a jockstrap. And they'd be like, well, now you're just lying. Yeah. Um, so it's to discredit them. Not only was that a real thing the cops used to do, the guy that does it in the movie is the cop that used to do it. He's like, yeah, this is a thing we, we like to do. It's fucking crazy, cruising rules. I want to talk about Injury Cold, but I want to do the movie first. So he walks up to a house to get, you know, make I use your phone, my car broke down. And Will Patton, mm-hmm. great character actor, Will Patton, one of my favorites. Playing Gordon Smallwood. Gordon Smallwood. Shoves a fucking double barrel shotgun in his face and is like... Yeah, he's immediately like, you know, saying to his wife, like, it's him. I've been waiting for you. Yep. And he's like, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. And he's like, get in here. Shoves him in a shower. Calls the cops. Cops show up. It's Laura Linney. She plays Connie. She's the sheriff. And so she is like, hey, who's this weirdo? And he's like, Connie, has been showing up every night, last two nights, at like between 2.30 and 3 in the morning. And, you know, there's something off about him. He's, you know, he looked, looked normal, but he seemed real weird. And he was asking me all kinds of questions and told him not to come back. He came back the next night. I told him if I saw him again, it would be trespassing. And he showed up tonight. I have every reason to shoot him in the face. And she's like, no, he would have to have come into your house for that, Gordon. Yeah, he's like, yeah, he's just trying to talk about, like, you know. It's my right. St- yeah, stand my As ground. a gun-owner yeah. in America. Connie hears both of them out. And Richard Gere is like, he's like, this is fucking crazy. Like, I've never been here before. I don't know this guy, but, like... I'm not saying he's lying. I just don't know what's going on. And he's like, also, I was experiencing some weird shit before I got here anyway, and I'm kind of fucked up. Connie mentions, like, well, things have been weird around here, but I checked you out. Like, he gave gave her his ID, and she's like, you check out. Like, you're who you say you are. And he's like, where am I, by the way? And she's like, oh, you're in uh, Point Pleasant. She's like, listen, your car's fucked. I'll drive you into town. You can get a hotel room. And in the morning... We'll get you a tow. We'll get you a tow. We'll get your car fixed. Okay. So he goes in. He's looking at a map that the motel owners got on the counter. And he's like looking at the Washington, Virginia border. Because he's like, where are we? And he goes, oh, right on the border. And he's like looking at it. And he's like... On the border with Ohio. The border with Ohio. And he's like, what? And the guy tapped the far side of the fucking state. Yeah. Richard Gere calling his buddy in New York who is... um, He's one of the dudes from uh, Sex and the City. He's Steve. David Eigenberg playing Ed. He's barely in it, but... Okay. I saw some of that, but I didn't recognize him. Uh, he's calling Ed, and he's like, Ed, somehow I, I traveled 400 miles off track in, like, two hours. Okay, so I, I did a little bit of math to do. Uh, 400 miles from... I, I did one 
a.m. to 2.30 a.m. Because I, I couldn't tell if he was saying 1 to 2.30 or 1.30 to 2.30. But so from like 1 to 2.30, so 90 minutes to go 400 miles, he would have had to do 266 miles per hour. There you go. Pretty fast. Yeah. I didn't see what car he was driving. Was it a it Mercury Countach? Yeah, uh, it doesn't go that fast. And no. also, I mean, like, I would say he would have gotten a ticket, except they'd have to catch him first. Right. <laughs> So he's like, I don't know what the fuck's going on here. Um, Connie, when she picks up John, you know, he's like, oh, I was on my way to Richmond. Or I was on my way to somewhere. And she goes, we're not on the way to anywhere. Yeah. So you get the full impression that it's like this little out of the way town. Well, okay. The next morning, guy tows his car. He's like, your car's fine. And he's like, are you sure? And he's like, yeah, man. Couldn't find a thing wrong with it. And he's like, okay. What do I owe you? He goes, nothing. I couldn't find anything wrong with it. And it's very Twin Peaks. Like he says it like it's like a menacing secret. Yeah. <laughs> like he's like couldn't find anything wrong with it like it's just like it's the most menacing like small town weird shit it's very twin peaks which i dig yeah so then the next night john is staking out gordon's farm the small wood house mm -hmm. to see if he shows up uh which he doesn't but he does get seen by connie she's like boy i really was hoping i wouldn't see you out here and he goes i'm just waiting to see if i show up yeah and he's like i know that sounds crazy and she's like no they both hang out in her patrol cruiser to watch and see and nothing happens it yeah. comes to like 2 30 in the morning yeah he's kind of like you know you said some weird stuff's been going on right what's well, been going on when yeah. when he doesn't show up by 2 30 she goes well looks like you're not going to show and he goes yeah and he's clearly like bothered yeah he's like when you said like things been weird around here what did you mean so then we have a little montage of them Following up on some case files about weird phenomena. Yeah, I mean, she has a line. Yeah. You know, oh, strange lights, phone calls, you. you. Yeah, that's a good line. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, they're following up on a couple of stories. And like we mentioned, those stories are kind of verbatim from accounts of, of Mothman. Um, the one woman saying she saw him standing by her tree and that, yeah. like, his head was, like, about a foot below the lowest branch. She's like, which would make him, like, eight feet tall. Yeah. And she's like, I saw him out the window. I saw these two red eyes and I couldn't move. And then he just sort of... And she uh, the story I heard is she was like, he kind of lifted away. Yeah. But she always uses weird... She doesn't say flew away right. or faded away. She says like lifted away. It's it sounds and like it's the idea of like folded out of reality. Yeah. Um, like vanishing into a pinpoint but not moving in space. Like right. really weird fucking shit. And this is I mentioned the phrase high strangeness. High strangeness is I think I mentioned this on the podcast before, but Probably. a frequent byproduct of supernatural instances and encounters are that things don't behave normally and not like, oh, the light that is always on flickered or turned off. That's not what no. I mean. No, things that are like bucking against like physics. Right. And bucking against like all universal logic. Water running backwards, like, or, or seeing something that you like, I can't explain in the language I have. And also just seeing things where you're like, that doesn't make any fucking sense. Yeah. Like, I, mean, I saw a car, and the car had a cowboy hat. And you're like, what? And it's like, I don't know. I mean, the Men in Black movie and stuff, where she's talking about, yeah, I saw my husband, but it wasn't my husband. It was wearing his skin. Right. Which, that like, is a bit is more literal, right, but, that and is explained. it's explained in the movie. But, like, if you had somebody that you were talking to who said that kind of shit to you. Right. The idea is that physics don't function normally. The laws of physics don't abide. Right. And that also you will see and experience things that your brain can't actually make sense of. So it will try its best, but you have a limited, compared to like fourth dimensional beings or other dimensional beings, yeah. you have a limited scope for reference. So you'll say things like, yeah, I saw this car and the car had a cowboy hat. What does that mean? And you're like, I don't know. Yeah. Like, but that's all I can say. Right. 
Or, I mean, like, you know, things are like optical illusions because, I mean, even even just how your brain works normally with yep. how it's processing stimulus for, like, real fucking life, there's things that trick it because it's not behaving the way, like, 99% of everything else does. Certain patterns, they look like they're moving even when they're stationary because your brain is used to processing colors or shapes in a certain way. Yeah, like having them in that arrangement stationary gives it the appearance of motion. I mean, even fucking um, film itself is fucking with your brain's ability to process frames per second and that kind of thing. Right. You're actually seeing a series of still images, but they're changing so fast that it looks like motion. I mean, that has to do with the way that we're learning, that the way our brain processes information, right. where you can like move your head and you think you're scanning everything in the room but you're not you're seeing uh, thin slices of it yeah. and your brain is filling in the gaps between what you don't see and like that concept fucks people right up think about the fact that like you are blinking several times a minute but don't actually recognize that you've been blinking i've actually never blinked my eyes are very dry but i see everything but no i mean like yeah like in your day-to-day -day, you're not unless you're actively thinking about like when you blink your eyes you're not noticing that there's like this fraction of a second if of darkness. If you're thinking about blinking your eyes consciously, you might be a man in black. My high strangeness, Jeff Foxworthy. I mean, the way you can tell that they're a man in black is that they blink one eye at a time like they're a Pixar character. And so, yeah, then if you're dealing with something theoretically that is outside, you know, normal perception. Known, known or, reality. Right, yeah. or known reality. Yeah, then it, it is going to absolutely fuck everything up. But your brain's going to try. The other, one of the other stories is uh, teens, they're making out. Yes, which is also, yeah, they're by oh. um, an abandoned cement factory yeah. or something. And their yeah. thing, they don't even use, like, language. Like, to he goes, I, and then it, something happened. Yeah. And we, and we also, like, just trying to describe what we are shown is, like, there's just kind of light outside and the yeah. idea of a presence because the camera moves towards... The yeah, car and it's, and he's it's the very kid, Evil Dead shooting. Well, and the, ca the yeah. kid is looking at the at the camera like mm -hmm. it is a thing that is there. Yeah, but we don't see a presence of anything. But it's just like there's light, and he's like, yeah. And then my eyes were swollen shut for two days after that. Mm -hmm. And he's like, this one never healed, and he's got like blood in the white of his eye. Yeah, which is like, and we'll get to that. And then some dude just says like, oh, I got weird phone calls. He's like, first it was like beeping. Yeah. He's like, then it was a man talking way too fast and I couldn't understand him. Probably some like foreign language. Yeah. He's uh, the and guy then... at the firehouse, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then he's like, and then there was like screeching noises. And he's like, I have recordings of it. The fire chief he is. Yeah. And he's like, I have recordings of it. And he plays some of them. And it's weird noises. Okay. So then John gets a phone call and there's just nothing on the line. Gordon bumps into John. And Gordon says he woke up with a headache in the middle of the night, went to the bathroom to get some uh, painkillers, and when he looked in the mirror, what he saw wasn't his reflection. He goes, I don't know what it was, yeah. but it wasn't my reflection, mm -hmm. which is, like, so fucking creepy. And we don't see it. Then he says he heard a voice from the sink drain saying, do not be afraid. 99 will die. Denver 9. You mustn't be afraid. You know, I listened to it for hours until it stopped talking. He yeah. just kept repeating that over and over. I wrote yeah. it down. Yeah. And he and he goes, but when I looked at my notes the next day, there was this thing there. And it's basically one of the weird, scratchy, horrible nightmare thing, angels, quote unquote angels, yeah. that uh, John's wife had drawn before she died. Gordon's like, I did not draw this. Yeah, he's like, I it did not draw It just appeared. This. Yeah. yeah. All, I, all I wrote down was the... The phrase. Yeah. yeah. They're at a diner. They're trying to figure it out, trying to piece it together. He takes... He takes uh, 
Gordon to like a doctor and they do like a CT scan yeah. and whatever and whatever. And, yeah. and it's all because he's like, well, my wife had uh, glioblastoma and she was seeing stuff like this. And, you know, you better get checked out and it's coming up fine. Mm-hmm. No, no results, whatever. They're a diner. They're talking it over. And Richard Gere gets up and goes over and he like cranks up the TV in the diner. And it's a news story about how Flight 9 from Denver, Denver 9, mm-hmm. crashed and all 99 people aboard died. Mm-hmm. So you're like, oh, shit. So then Connie tells John that she had a dream like that, like mm-hmm. it seemed real and seemed prophetic. Yeah. And that hers is uh, she was in the ocean and she was surrounded by presents, packages. Did she say ocean? She says I thought ocean. she was just she saying I was in cold she water. She ocean. Okay. I wrote down okay. ocean specifically. Okay. And she said there were presents, packages I was sinking. She's like, I kept trying to grab onto them, but they kept bobbing away popping away she's like and then i could feel myself like letting go and leaving my body mm-hmm. and she's like and then i heard a voice whisper in my ear wake up number 37 mm-hmm. and you're like okay that probably won't be important <laughs> later <laughs> there's an establishing <laughs> shot of uh, wherever they are um where they added a ufo streak in the sky or like a shooting star or mm-hmm. something um just i'm just pointing out like more weird added imagery because um, again they're leaning pretty heavy on like it's aliens but the movie never culminates in its aliens. It's it. It never also never puts a pin on like aliens are probably weirder than what you're thinking. They mm. didn't drive here. Yeah. From physical space from in a physical way. They didn't get in a thing from another planet and come here. They might have been on another planet and gotten in a thing and then arrived here, but they didn't travel the way we're thinking of. Tra- you know, like it's yeah. that kind of concept. Well, that I mean, also like you know, alien can refer to well, yeah, yeah, like, but I mean, yeah, they're anything from not around here. But they're even. playing with the imagery of yeah. UFO aliens. Sure, yes, yes, um, they are. So Gordon then he says he met the man, Indrid Cold. He mentioned a thing about the equator, and three hundred will die, and then there was there's an earthquake in Ecuador, and three hundred die. So let's talk about Indrid Cold real quick. My thing with Indrid Cold, as I recall it. Well, if like if you were to interview me, like Hunter, what do you know about injured cold? Having done no research in you know years and only having read many things and listened to many things over the years, my thing with injured cold is yeah, there were a lot of uh, people reporting talking to this weird voice. A lot of them remembered it saying like my name is, and then saying weird things that aren't name. Like uh, to to give you an idea, like the the demonic concept like we are legion mm-hmm. that kind of thing like and that the demon like as as a name like you will call us legion that kind of thing that you know saying things like my name is heartbreak my name is tragedy my name is this my name is you know death destruction and people remembered you know and recounted this voice saying these things yeah. when they would be like who are you which looking at it logically might be a being that doesn't speak our level of language yeah trying to tell you like i am an emissary of these horrible things that are about you know these things yeah. major changes but saying it in a weird way because the, the, we can't we either can't perceive what they're saying or they can't dumb it down enough mm-hmm. right so they say like my name is death destruction you know retroactively somebody's like oh well when I was talking to him, I thought he said his name was Indrid Cold. Um, so that's what I always referred to him as. And then the, that's the name that stuck. Yeah. But I always, then I must have, somebody said this somewhere, but like the idea that like on other phone calls to other people, he would say like, my name is death, destruction. My name is heartbreak, misery. That he said, my name is injured, cold, which is oh, so fucking creepy. Creepy yeah. right the fuck out. But that, that's what I always thought. 
Yeah. Um, but yeah, Indrid Cold is the name that they ascribe to this voice. And yeah. Or, like I said, in, in my little cursory search, uh, yeah. the Grinning Man. The is, Grinning Man, right. Is, uh, yeah. yeah. His uh, epithet. P- potentially physical yeah. uh, representation. Yeah. Sure. Gordon calls John and says, Indrid is there. And this is the, put me on with him. He goes, oh, sure. Yeah, no problem. Here you go. And Indrid says, you know, you were born in Racine in a greenhouse. How do you know that? And he said, whatever. He says enigmatic shit. I know many things and whatever. Yeah. And, he, and he's like, where's my watch? And as he's talking to him, he's like, takes his watch off, drops it in his shoe, kicks his shoe backwards under the bed. And he goes, where's my watch? And he goes, in your shoe. And there's a pause. And he goes, under the bed. And it's like, ooh, ooh creepy. And that's when he does the reach in the, opens well, the drawer. He, he turns all the lights off and shuts the blinds because maybe somebody's yes. watching maybe him. Maybe there's a camera yeah. room. So then he, like, reaches in the drawer, doesn't pull the drawer open all the way, just, like, opens it enough, puts his hand in, grabs something. He goes, what's in my hand? He goes, chapstick. Yeah. The big creepy line. The scariest line. Scariest line that they really, like, yeah, like, put some, like, yeah. whoosh, like, sound around. It's a bit, yeah, they put a big old scary stink yeah. on it. Yeah. He goes, what do you look like? And he says, depends on who's looking, which I think is interesting mm-hmm. and kind of gets to, it's, it kind of gets to that idea of like it's about perception and your brain's going to fill in the blanks i look like different things to different people because different people perceive me different ways i can't control it you know that kind of thing what happened to my wife that's that's all john wants to know it's all about his wife he's like, what happened yeah. to my wife he says mary cannot be found by looking mm-hmm. which is cool and enigmatic and weird yeah, and you spiritual will, you will see her in time yeah indrid uh when when john takes the tape of this phone call to the you know audio guys uh the guy reads it and he says Listen, I I can hear it, and I know it's a voice, and I know it's saying stuff, but I'm telling you now, your voice registers here, between this and this on the regular, you know, on the yeah. measurement scale. Yeah, you're set like, like a 1700, and this matter. thing's at like a 1900, yeah. well, no, that's not normal. And he, yeah, when he goes, and this one is way up here, yeah. and he's like, this, he's like, so what does that mean? Like, what is it? What's the voice? And he goes, it's an electrical impulse. He's like, it's background noise. It's the noise that electricity makes. And he's like, I don't know what to tell you. Which is, again... Real creepy. And there's a lot of that in this of, yeah. like, manipulating electronics. Mm-hmm. Um, also, when he got that call from Gordon, he was with Connie. She was telling her yeah. story about the right. the ocean. And he immediately was like, he's at Gordon's. Go, you know, go see him and stuff like that. And yeah. so she pulls up at Gordon's. Knocks She's banging on the door. On the door. Yeah. Gordon I, comes down. He's like, hey, Connie, what's going on? I think there's also red light behind him, right? Probably. Yeah. But yeah, he's like, "Hey, what's up?" And she's like, "Gordon, like, did you just call John?" John? Call? And he's like, no, and he's I've like, been asleep he's since like, nine been, yeah, or whatever." Yep, yeah, yeah. And she's like, "Fuck, <laughs> yeah, the fuck." Yeah, it's like, weird. She looks directly at the camera and goes like, "The fuck," <laughs> and puts like a weird stank face on. Uh-huh. So okay, here we go. Now John goes to Chicago. This is a weird thing I hate in movies, uh, which is let's go to a new location. Yeah, it's not even really like... Because he does it twice. Yeah. He goes to Chicago, he comes back, he goes back to Chicago. Like, he goes to Chicago and he, he confronts this author, Alexander Leake, played by Alan Bates, who is the author of a book on precognition, which is what he thinks we're dealing with here with uh, Gordon. Yeah, it's called Visible Dark, right? Or at least that's one of the books that uh, yeah. he was looking at in his hotel room. But he's like, I want to know more about this. And he confronts him on the street and Alexander Leake is like, I can't tell you anymore. And he goes, okay, and he goes back to West Virginia. (laughs) And then a little later, he goes back to Chicago, and he knocks on his door, and he's like, no, but for real, though, I need you to tell me. And that's annoying. I don't like when movies do that uh, at all. I don't know. You change things for cinema to make things make more sense. Like, this could have been a phone call. 
or or a couple of phone calls, right? Like, like I understand that people yeah. people are weirded out by like, oh, a phone call's not dynamic or whatever. But I've seen it done. You can make phone calls compelling. Um, I'm pretty sure that movie Air that's out now. Mm-hmm. I think that's all phone calls. It's people in the 70s traveling around trying to design a shoe and then lock down Michael Jordan to rep that shoe. And, like, it's all just, like, traveling and phone calling and calling between business guys and people calling the Jordans and, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I heard it's, like, mostly phone calls and it's still interesting. Yeah. It can be done. Like, it's just a weird and thing that a lot of movies do. Or sure. a similar thing is, like, it's the third act. Let's go to somewhere totally new that we've never mentioned or set up. Yeah. So, anyway. Well, and, yeah, so the first time he sees him is kind of when we get into the whole, like, uh, oh, you know, these things appear on, like, old tablets. He does talk about them as, like, harbingers. He specifically references Chernobyl and uh, the 1969 Galveston hurricane. Which I don't know. No, but yeah, apparently. From context, if it's mentioned second after Chernobyl, it must have been a badass hurricane. I imagine it's like Katrina for the earlier generation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I I just, I never, I I don't think I've ever heard of it. I don't have quotes around it, so I don't think it's a direct quote, but I think, like, he was saying stuff to the effect that um, trauma can enable vision beyond. Yeah. uh, Well, that's the idea is that they are, they are related to these events, but he's like, whether it's cause and effect or that they are the effect but the cause hasn't happened yet. You know, he's like, whether exactly they're precursors or whatever, mm-hmm. intense trauma can enable people to perceive them. He's like, they yeah. may always be present and we just may not be able to perceive them. Yeah. That's what he says. Like, they were spotted in Chernobyl. They were spotted Galveston 69, mm-hmm. you know, the hurricane. And he says, they're a natural part of the planet, is the thing he says. And then he says, you noticed them and they noticed you noticed them. Mm-hmm. Which is how he explains why John was called to... West Virginia to Point Pleasant. It's because they've already had a point of contact or, you know, the void that stares back at you or whatever. Sure, yeah. Like the Bader-Meinhof. Oh, wait. I have to turn the air off. Okay. It's fine. Listeners, I had the air conditioning on because it's hot. But I'm turning it off now. You're you're welcome. You have Um, to deal with a teeny tiny little hum in the background because, oh, I'm going to downvote them on the internet. They're not good because it's a teeny tiny hum for their personal comfort. So selfish. So the Bader-Meinhof effect, also known as the frequency illusion, is when you become aware of a word or a concept or something, and then you start seeing or hearing it everywhere. Right. Dude, I'm, I'm like expert level at this. Mm-hmm. I'm a master Bader-Meinhof. That's really good. Thank you. Thank you. So this is when we get the window washer car accident analogy, and John asks Leek, well, why don't they just like explain everything to us? And he goes... Well, you're a level of, you know, consciousness above a cockroach. Have you ever tried explaining your actions to one of them? Mm-hmm. Which I think those are both really good analogies. Yes. And again, it it, it gets to the point of like, like what I think this movie is driving at without outright stating it, which would probably have pushed it over the line for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Like, this is crazy bunkum. But like now in 2023, I'm like, oh, this is fucking dope and kind of an early adapter of like these theories. Yeah. Interesting stuff. This sequence also ends with a uh, leak warning Klein that whatever brought you there, brought you there to die. Yeah. To die. You're marked. Basically. Yeah. And he's like, don't go back to Point Pleasant. And he does anyway. He's like, yeah. And he says, if... there's a reason I ended up in Point Pleasant. Yeah. So I was talking about like Klein and leak are both, supposed to kind of be god what the fuck is his name john keel Keel. leak backwards yeah who who actually wrote the mothman prophecies the book the book that this movie is based right uh, inspired Um, by right and so 
Yeah. He was a real reporter. Yeah. He had, you know, journalism history experience. Yeah. And he... Got real into Mothman. Got real into Mothman and, you know, wrote all these theories. And they've split these two aspects of his personality into two Right, into people. an audience surrogate and an expert. Right, because it would be crazy for... Because like, there's a two-year gap in this. And it would be crazy if in the two-year gap... John became a molder. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He comes back and he's like, I'm obsessed with, like, spooky phenomena now. Yeah. Scully, have you heard of the dead wife alien? Yeah, so instead we have two different characters kind of being stand-ins for the same real person. Right. But so that, and then also in their second meeting, it kind of ends with John being like, why would you give this up? Like, didn't you need to know? And Keel being like, well, we're, we're not, not allowed, allowed to, to know. know. Yeah. And so that there's like a lot of that interplay of the desire for knowledge, but also that it's like kind of out of your grasp. It was kind of the things I liked the most about the movie, but again, they were, yeah, we're the not really stuff. doing it all yeah, they, the way through. Yeah. They couldn't push it all right. the way because, yeah, at the time, this would have been, yeah. Especially, like, right. a ma- they were shooting for a major release, Richard sure. Gere, like, marquee and, actor. And also, to be fair, like, I don't know if it would necessarily have made it, like, a better movie objectively. No, it would have just been more you know? conceptually interesting. Sure. But the movie's not going to be better. It's just people talking for longer about weirder shit. Yeah. I do get that that's not compelling Yeah, what you want itself. is to read right. a book about this. Sure. So, Denise, Gordon's wife, has left Gordon because Gordon has gotten weird. Weirder. Yeah. yeah. And Gordon is waiting on a bridge. He looks like a, you know, potential jumper. Yeah. John talks to him. Denise honestly seemed tired of his shit when he had a random guy in his bathroom. Yeah. Well, Denise is like, you're holding a gun on him, man. Yeah. And like, that's, it's late. Um, <laughs> yeah. Gordon's like hanging out on a bridge. Looks like a jumper. John goes to talk to him. And he's like, I'm just waiting for him. It's going to come. John is kind of like, you're okay though? And he's like, I'm great. <laughs> he's like, your wife left you. And he's like, I got important stuff to do. Where we're going, we don't need wives. Oh boy. <laughs> then john sees mary he's like asleep he rolls over she's in his bed she looks at him she goes I, I just want you to be happy yeah and then his phone rings and he wakes up and she's gone it's his wake-up call and he's like but i didn't ask for a wake-up call and the guy just hangs up and so after that previous call that wasn't really a call where gordon called him and was like injured's with me you can't know if anything is actually right, a anything, real person on anything the other side. coming in yeah and i think that's a, a metaphor for I, I really do i think this is like a tangible metaphor it's putting in plain terms the idea that you can't trust your senses you, the mm-hmm. telephone calls are a metaphor for the interaction between the outside world and our interior understanding of events mm-hmm. does that make sense to you yes okay cuz yes like when the phone calls come in and then you find out that that one phone call didn't actually happen then you can't trust phone calls and the phone calls are a metaphor and the phone calls are a metaphor for your senses yeah. can't trust what you see and hear and feel and think and whatever yeah okay cool i'm glad we're on the same page because saying that out loud it made sense in my head and then as it started to come out of my mouth i was like you sound like gordon no no but i mean <laughs> it, it does where that is like a I mean, we'll call it a perception, but like really like it's, you know, it's, yeah, it's, it's a phone call and stuff like that. But so it's something that we've already established is something that like cannot be trusted. We do have like a dream sequence and stuff, which is again, also like using established uh, cinematic conventions for showing a thing and then being like, this wasn't real. But then also, yeah, we're, we're working with phone calls being like something that you inherently can't trust because we've had something in the past that we can't trust. Right. But then also that being a stand-in for, like... All perception. Right. Also, part of delusion 
in general is that you wholly believe that something is real that you have experienced you know something people hearing like oh voices behind the walls and stuff and you know that kind of experience yeah i I always assume it's a brahms situation (laughs) yeah gordon calls john he tells him it's real there's nothing to worry about and he says i'll see you in time Mm-hmm. Which is a thing that Indrid Cold has said repeatedly. People have recounted Indrid yes. Cold saying to them, John has yeah. heard it. I'll see Indrid you Cold, in time or you'll see her You will in see time. in time. Yeah. yeah. And again, that points to the idea that like time doesn't affect them the same way it affects us. And I mean, also maybe being that nonspecific is because they can't sure. pinpoint how people are perceiving sure. events. But that like, if you don't know, you will know. <laughs> Yes, kind of and thing. and Gordon is now maybe on their level or approaching. He kind of understands it, and yeah, no, he's got a whole thing where he was at the cement factory and a thing. The pro- well, it was when he was like, I met Indrid Cold. Yeah, when he says he met him, and that's also when we have like a weird overlay of the orderly standing in the doorway, being like she saw angels and the hole in the side of the cement factory. Like another, and and it doesn't quite line up, but like when you do a translucent like wash, it it fits close enough. Right. The idea is that like these things are echoing. Yeah. It's the idea of um, uh, confluence. Yeah. Uh, in magic, as you've heard me talk about ad nauseum, mm-hmm. there's a concept of confluence. It's that there are patterns, and that you when you are attuned and capable of finding them, they are there. They are not always as as you know. Uh, obvious as oh. oh we had to highlight a Y in this fucking yeah. scenario um, unless it's the Bader-Meinhof effect right <laughs> uh, the Bader-Meinhof effect is just false confluence mm. John goes out to Gordon's Gordon's not answering the door John starts like looking around the property and he sees Gordon like sitting against a tree and he goes up and Gordon is dead he's mm-hmm. Frozen stiff, apparently. And when the cops get there and the coroners and stuff, they say he's been dead for about eight hours. He died of exposure. Yeah. And Connie goes, so what happened? And he goes, I was, you know, at the at the motel and he called me. And she goes, when did he call you? And he goes, I just, I just didn't like the way he sounded. She goes, when did he call you? And he goes, like a half hour ago. Mm-hmm. Which is fucking like... And like the fact that he's like, I don't want to tell her. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, I don't want to tell her this crazy shit. Yeah. Um, I like that a lot. I think that's a great mm-hmm. moment. So, John, in quotes, left a message for uh, for the fire chief. Oh, yeah. It's about the chemical factory, chemical plant. Yeah. It was asking the chief about it. And he goes, yeah, I got all that information you wanted about the chemical plant. He's like, I, I don't know what you're talking about. And he goes, yeah, you called me, you left a message. Mm-hmm. And he's like, did I? And he goes, yeah, you know, got play the tape for you if, I, if you want. This is when we get maybe the only like visual, like, really interesting visual thing in this movie, mm-hmm. which is uh, things are starting to unravel for John. He's in the hotel room. He's on the phone. He's trying to, he's trying to like figure out all this bullshit, right? And um, I forget who he's on the phone with, but like point of the scene is it doesn't go well, and he kind of like hucks the phone or whatever. Mm-hmm. But he's leaning up against. He's in the bathroom door. He's got his closet mirror like uh, closet door open halfway, and the closet door is like got a mirror on it. Mm-hmm. So he's reflected in this mirror. But he and the mirror reflection don't sync up. Yeah. He's like leaning, he's like got his hand on his forehead and he's like listening to the and then like the reflection in the mirror like puts the phone down mm-hmm. or whatever. I think it and, and then like he walks off into the bathroom and it walks at a different angle like out of the shot. Mm-hmm. And um 
then when he like slams the door, there's like a blur of a face. Yeah. And I was like, I want to look at this. So I took it back this morning today mm-hmm. and like slowed it, like paused it. And it's a gray alien face. Like hmm. it's not like a skull or like a weird human. F- it's a gray alien face. Hmm. You know, it just represents the presence mm-hmm. or whatever. But yeah. like, it's freaky. Yeah, I mean, yeah. The fact that, like, they represent it visually as all these different things is very freaky. So, Mary, quote-unquote, visits uh, Connie uh, while John's on his way to the police station. And he gets there, and Connie's like, oh, did you see that woman? And he goes, what woman? She goes, ah, she was just here. She was looking for you. He's like, what did she look like? She's like, "Uh, curly red hair, green eyes. And he's like, what? And he runs outside and he looks around. And we saw a shot of Connie, but, like, somebody walks in front of the camera and she vanishes. So yeah. you're not really sure what's going on. Mm-hmm. And um, he runs outside and he's look, looking around. He can't find her. And he goes, what did you want? Connie's like, man, yeah, she asked if you're happy. And he goes, what did you say? And she goes, I asked her for ID. Yeah. <laughs> Which I, I loved and felt like a very good, like, cop thing. Yeah. She's like, who was she? And he pulls out the photo, you know, from his wallet of his dead wife and shows it to Connie. She goes, is this your wife? And he goes, it was her, right? And she goes, and she's like, well, they can't, she's basically working on the, it can't possibly be. Yeah. So she goes, no, the hair's different. It doesn't, doesn't look the same. And he goes, it was my wife. And she's like, yeah, I guess. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. It kind of was. Yeah. It's fucked up and it doesn't make any sense and I don't get it, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's, I think it's great. I think all this shit is like handled really well. Their performances are not big, but I th- and it's mostly like just through these small exchanges. But I think it's like really good. I really enjoy them. You know, yeah. Not wanting to admit how fucked everything is, but being like, it's yep, still happening. It's basically like you took two like normal ass people and put them th- in Twin Peaks, which did not happen. Everyone in Twin Peaks is crazy. <laughs> he goes back to Chicago. This we mentioned. He asked Leek like, "What happened to you?" Because now he's like, "I'm sure something happened that scared him off of this." Yeah. And he's like, "I want you to tell me what it is." So Leek's like, I was a prestigious professor. You can look me up. I heard voices. Then a building exploded. I tried to warn them. They thought I was involved. I almost went to prison. It ruined my life. He goes, what's more important for you, having proof or being alive? And that's when John's like, well, didn't you need to know? And he's like, we're not allowed to know. Again, chilling. Mm -hmm. He gets a call that there's going to be a great tragedy on the Ohio River. On the River River, Ohio Mm -hmm. is how how it's said. Okay. No, I just think the yeah. the syntactical weirdness yeah. is oh, it's part of it. Sure. Important and strange and weird, and, it, and I mean, I probably filtered it because of well, course I did. Yeah, and, but and <laughs> yeah. it hints that they don't perceive things in the right order. In the right, way. and then right. also that's reaffirming that like your brain wants to make order of stuff, so yeah. you're going to alter things, to, like to to edit to be how you think it should right. be. Or, oh, they or meant this. intended to be. Yeah, right. Maybe that's what it was. He was on the phone and he was like, my name is Idris Elba. And he was like, Indrid Cold. And he's like, that's not what I, hello? Did you hang up? I'm trying to warn you. Hello? The Gunslinger movie, not great. Not bad, but not great. It's not going to meet expectations. So, Governor McCallum is going to be touring the chemical plant. On the Ohio River. On the Ohio River. And John puts all this together. He's like... I was coming down to interview McCallum when I ended up here. It's the Ohio River. Tragedy on the River Ohio. The chemical plant is where Gordon experienced his supernatural shit that's like... What was the cement plant? Cement plant. 
Oh, that's different plants. Well, I thought the kids were near the cement plant and Gordon was by the chemical plant or maybe. No, I think they're both at the cement plant. Oh, the chemical plant's not actually in Point Pleasant. Oh. Or is maybe like I think it's further upriver. Oh, okay. Than the Silver Bridge is. But I mean, it's definitely upriver from the Silver Bridge, but that's not he's not talking. He doesn't give a shit about the Silver Bridge right now. No, but I'm like, I think like, yeah, it's it's in a different spot. Okay. Yeah, so he tries to get the governor not to go. He confronts the governor yeah. at the airport. And he seems totally crazy. And the governor tells him, you seem crazy. Yeah. And then he ignores him and nothing happens when he goes to tour the chemical plant. Right. Well, and also, we didn't talk about this, but part of um, Leak's warning is, like, it's not worth chasing these things down because you're going to misinterpret it because you, you don't have all the information. Like, you yeah, cannot like, see every angle of this. No, and he says it makes sense in hindsight. Right. And you'll wonder how you didn't see it. Right. But, but you won't be able to. Right. Like, you just, you do not have the vantage point to make use of this information. Right. So, yeah. So, he's trying to, like, yeah, make make actual use of it, and it didn't pan out. The plant is okay. Um, He's at a Marriott hotel. It's near the airport where he talked yeah. to the governor and nothing happened. Right. Uh, and he gets a note that says, Mary will call Georgetown Friday noon. Yeah. Connie, well, he talks to Connie, and he's like, I gotta go basically tells her he's like mary's gonna call me you know i gotta go and she's like you know that it wouldn't actually be her right yeah she's like no this is crazy and he's like i gotta be georgetown at noon yeah i gotta you know and she's like this is dumb don't do this like stay here everything's happening here you Mm. have to be here he goes home he's gotta be there noon tomorrow whatever he gets there he's waiting by the phone phone rings it's like 10 to noon 10 to noon it's Connie, and she's like, hey, I just called to chat for like 10 or 15 minutes, which I think is great. Yeah. Uh, he's she like, talks I'm to expecting him. a call. <laughs> right. And she talks to him, and she basically says, like, she basically is the thesis of this movie is that the movie's about acceptance. Mm-hmm. It's about understanding that, like, things, bad things are going to happen, and even if you think you know, you still won't be able to stop them. Mm-hmm. Um, and she says, buildings will fall. There's nothing you can do. You got to get back. It's Christmas fucking Eve. This is a Christmas movie, by the way. Yeah. So it's it Christmas was, Eve. It was about Christmas when uh, um, Mary died, and now it's two years later, and yeah. it's still Christmas. And she's like, we do, you know, Christmas dinner at seven, presents at eight, or whatever. Yeah. You know. And she's like, so get down here. Yeah, I've, I've uh, bought you a plane ticket. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. So he's like, ah, whatever, hangs up on her, thinks it over for a minute. Starts getting his shit together to leave. The phone rings. He looks at it. We're not sure if he's going to answer or not. He rips the phone out of the wall. You know, it's a cordless. Like, he rips the cradle out of the wall. And then, like, the phone starts ringing anyway. And he gets the fuck out of there. Yeah. Okay. He's pulling into West Virginia. Pulling in across the Silver Bridge. It's bumper to bumper. You know, he gets out to ask, like, a cop, like, hey, what's going on? They're like, ah, I don't know, something with the traffic lights are fucked up, and it's screwing up the traffic pattern. We see Connie's on the bridge. They're both walking around, you know, being like, boy, is there anything I could do? Can I help direct traffic? Can I, you know, whatever? And it all starts to fall into place for John, where he's like, wait a second, and there's this, like, goofy-ass, like, CG zoom from the plant which is up river a little a ways like zoom yeah. down the river to the to the thing and he's it's like wait bridge. a second yeah the bridge is on the river mm-hmm. uh didn't occur to him 
we got some echoing imagery of the lights on the top of the bridge being like the red eyes. Two red eyes. Yeah. I'm sure there's a bunch of whys there and whatever. And, yeah. Um, so he starts like running up to, you know, the, he, he, oh, when he, we forgot to mention this because I, I forgot about this just now, but when he first gets to West Virginia and he like comes out of it when his car dies outside of uh, the Smallwood farm. Yeah. He's like standing in the street and he like feels a vibration. Mm-hmm. And, like, there's a rumbling on the soundtrack, and he, mm-hmm. like, looks around and, like, doesn't see anything. There's no cars coming. There's no there's, there's no weird phenomena. So that is an echo of he feels the vibration of the cables giving out on the bridge, the bridge mm. shaking. I did not put that together. That's very interesting. Yeah. yeah. I just put that together now. So oh, he, okay. Yeah. So he feels that, and he's like, oh, and he, like, looks up, and he sees, like, boop, a cable, like, starts to unwind. You know, yeah. The, and so he's running up to people and he's like, get out, get off the bridge. Everybody needs to get off the bridge. And he runs yeah. up and there's CJ, who's the teenager who was making out, who got his eyes, uh, you know, blasted shut. Yeah. And then like the one never healed. And he's talking to CJ. And CJ's like blasting fucking rock music, dude. Mm-hmm. And so he rolls the window down and, and John's like, CJ, you gotta get off the bridge. Everybody needs to get off the bridge right now. It's dangerous, whatever. And he's like, yeah, what? I can't hear you because I'm fucking raging. And his girl or his um, fiance, fiance is trying on. A She's dress trying on a dress in town. In yeah, in Point Pleasant. The cable snaps and it swings down, and we get like a cut for a, a, a quick cut. Yeah. From CJ's like eye with the blood mm-hmm. in it to the cable to the cable hitting the windshield. Yeah. So I guess it's like a final destination thing of like yeah. the fact that the eye never healed is like that's where the cable's gonna hit you. Right. Yeah. Which is fucked. Yeah. And then we cut to his fucking fiance walking out as shit starts to hit the fan on the bridge in her fucking wedding dress yeah. that she's trying on, like looking at the bridge being like, boy, I hope CJ's okay. Yeah. It's like, no, he was actually the first to die and it sucked. Yeah. So that's sad. <laughs> so that's really sad. <laughs> it's like really, it's a real bummer. I know I'm laughing, but like, woof, it's, it's a bummer. Yeah, the cars, you know, people are fucking freaking out. People are getting out and running. The bridge starts to buckle. Eventually, a whole section of it falls into the river. All these cars are fucking tipping off, whatever. There's a Wilhelm scream. Yeah, there's uh, quite a few, like, canned... Canned um, screams, yes. There's, screams, there yeah. are very familiar screams you will yeah. have heard if you listen, if you watch, like, a lot of movies. Yeah. There's, like, a noted, like, whatever the female version of the Wilhelm scream is, I heard that. Yeah. Which I've heard in a bunch of stuff. And yeah. then the Wilhelm scream is after that. Yeah. Um... Connie's car goes into the into the river with her. She she got out and was looking around. Then she turned her like hazard lights on. So she also called in the bridge collapse yes. to the station and she called it in on channel thirty seven. Yes, she's channel it's on channel thirty seven. Yeah. Which remember her her dream from earlier in the film is, you know Number thirty seven. Yeah, you ever up. see um do we ever watch Hard Day's Night? I don't think so so the hard days night the beatles or it's it's like a, oh it's, no we did it's a loose structured beatles yeah. film yes. where they're like just kind of traveling around like goofing around and then they go perform a show yeah and... we did we didn't do it for the show no no we didn't do it for yeah. the show but um so there's a thing where uh the the train is stopped for a little bit and they're all kind of like going around exploring doing stuff having little adventures and ringo's is walking along the river mm-hmm. and there's a guy uh out i believe in a canoe and ringo yells Come in, number seven, your time's up. <laughs> and uh, I always thought that was very funny as a kid. I don't mm-hmm. know why. Mm-hmm. I just like Ringo. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, it's kind of that. So, remember, in her dream, she was 
drowning and there's all these presents. What kind of presents? Who knows? Maybe it's Christmas. We'll find out in about two minutes um, <laughs> in the water. And she couldn't, you know, couldn't use them as flotation devices. And she was drowning. And then a voice whispered in her ear and it was Ringo. And he said, come in, number 37. Your time's up. Yeah. Uh, that's basically what it is. It's wake up, number 37. Mm-hmm. Like, Ringo's for shit. I got to do some more Ringo. Got to do some Ringo work. So, um, yeah, John sees Connie's car go in and is like, Connie, and he dives in. So he swims down, he rescues her. Okay. And it's the end of the movie. The end of the movie is the ambulance there, and the fire chief is like, boy, what a big old mess that was. Oh, 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 before that happens, there's an overhead shot of all the cars in the river. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, the cars are, like, sinking, and they're, like, shifting positions, and their headlights are going, and they make the why, the spooky why. It happened again. So the police chief's like, or the fire chief is like, yeah, it's a big old mess. And he's like, how many, uh, how many dead? He's like, 36. And they look at each other like, 36? That's one less than 37. And that's it. That's like the end of the movie. They're wet and they have, they have towels on and they look at each other like, holy shit, this is like, maybe this is what's supposed to happen. I I saved you. I was here not to die. Me, John, uh, uh, Richard Gere, I was here not to die, but to save you and make your dream prophetic, Mm -hmm. I guess. Um, and that's the end of the movie. And then there's text that says, um, the cause of the collapse remains unknown and Mothman was never seen in Point Pleasant again. Which, I mean, that's half true. Mothman was seen in Point Pleasant. There's a big statue of him, obviously. Well, okay. So that's... Uh, no, the, the, it was a, uh, an eye bolt defect and the design of the bridge didn't have enough redundancies to keep it, like, up if that part of it failed. A likely story. Yeah. Yeah, because I, I think... Um, yeah, the, the saying that it's on... I mean, maybe it was still unknown at 2002. No, they knew. <laughs> I think, like, I think it was to make it like seem more like, oh, weird. Well, that's the thing, yeah. is saying that the cause of the bridge collapse is unknown makes it seem like we're attributing it to the supernaturality, which means that Mothman the Mothman did, did it, it yeah. which is like counter to the whole fucking movie, which isn't about that. It's, it's literally about they are harbingers of like, you know not necessarily disaster, but tragedy mm-hmm. and that it's about acceptance. Like the movie itself is about acceptance and that his purpose was to save her from this tragedy. That makes less sense if it's the Mothman did it. Cause like the Mothman's like, you have to save her from what? A me motherfucker. Yeah. Try and stop me. I'm a fourth dimensional mechanical imp. Oh, I've already done it. Or have I? You don't know. You can't possibly. Or could you? Maybe you're me. Like, it doesn't make any fucking sense if you if it's the Mothman's fault. It's like the serial killer of like, thank you for stopping me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. Yeah, I'm the murderous Mothman. Thank yeah. you for stopping me. I just and you know, I that's the only that that's my biggest. And problem. then also like it's the lowest body count of the whole movie. So like yeah, if he also like brought that plane down and caused that mudslide, like. He was right. on a hell of a tear before this. Right, but yeah, but that's again, it doesn't make sense. Yeah. No, I know. So, yeah. I, and then also, I that mean... That feels like studio notes. Make it spookier. I get... And then, I mean, also, like, yeah, what are you supposed to do about, like, a mudslide in Ecuador from Point Pleasant, West Virginia? Right. You know? I don't know. I, I called every city on the equator. Yeah. And I told them, yeah. don't let more than 299 people gather in any area. Well, and, like... Yeah, to have it be like John, like, oh, you couldn't save your wife, but you can save this other random lady. But also, like, this other guy, Gordon, isn't going to be able to do shit about shit. She's your wife now. I don't know. Mothman marriage counselor. Mothman matchmaker. Mothman matchmaker. That would be a show on Amy. 
They'd be like, right after Toddlers and Tiaras is Mothman Matchmaker. Yeah, that's my biggest sticking point with the end of this movie. Well, with the movie, I think, as a whole now on this watch is mm-hmm. that, like, that that feels like studio notes. Like, they just said, make it spookier. Yeah. And it might as well be like, and Connie and John had children, and those children were the Antichrist. Spooky! And one of them was a goat. Like, mm-hmm. it's just dumb, and I, I think it undermines the movie. Mm-hmm. But it also is like, you're already leaving the theater. Because <laughs> you were mad because there were no Mothman. Yeah. You want to vote? Yeah, well, like, okay, so also I was expecting to like this more because I usually like music video directors doing film. You said this, and I wanted to interrogate this just a okay. little bit. Like what? And you can't only name David Fincher movies because that's one guy. Uh, Tarzan Singh started out Tarzan Singh, that's videos. fair, okay. And, like, yeah, like, I mean... But the difference there is they're both music video directors, yes, who have incredibly strong visual styles. Well, that's, I mean, that's the thing is that, like, Just a because lot of... you directed a music video doesn't mean... Sure. ...you have a strong visual style. Sure. This, but... in fact, I would say, has interesting visuals. Yeah. Because the movie's mostly conversational. Yes. So there are a lot of interesting visuals. Some of them are very music video-y. Like yeah. those stories when people are like, I saw the Mothman here and I was trying to get it wet and then the Mothman showed up, whatever. When they're doing that, there's a lot of like high contrast, like washed out, you know, visual shit. Yeah. Which seems very, yeah, it's very music video-y. But no, it's just, it's more that like, yeah, like I feel like having to tell a purely visual story in a music video I feel like a lot of people that like, yeah, start out with music video um, reels tend to have a well-developed style by then, you know, especially if somebody's done a lot, like then you become the person that people seek out because they're like, oh, I want it to look like X, you know? I'll say, I think this is um, a very high watch, low great watch. I think, I think it's actually really cool and I think it's well-made if you've, the way I factored it all into my head is like Richard Gere was expensive. You used all your budget for that, which is a smart choice to get your movie made and out there. But it did end up looking a little bit cheap. Yeah. So the IMDb like estimated budget thirty two million, and it made back thirty five domestically. Okay. So it roughly broke even. It was yeah. like fifty five internationally. That's why there wasn't a direct to video Mothman Prophecies 2. Like right. that's just how it is. Yeah. It was 2002. There was nothing that a movie studio liked doing better than just slapping a title on something and getting like TV actors like Yeah. This could have been Richard Greco investigating shit like mm-hmm. the following year easily. I mean shit, we saw The Cell 2 which came out like 8 years after oh, the first boy. one or whatever. The, yeah. That trash. Yeah. There's not IP interest in this because it sold itself on the idea that like we're going to show you a new monster and it didn't because it's not a monster movie right and it's not the movie's fault that it's not it's advertised as one yeah i've definitely had films that i've enjoyed that was just advertised you know in a very um I don't know. What Misrepresentative the word... way. Yes. Yeah. 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 yeah 100%. I was. I was gonna so, say like very. Um... Disingenuous. Yeah. Horsemopolitan. You. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, yeah, in a way that like, yeah, doesn't trust the work, I guess, and is very much like, you know, oh, people like X, so let's present this as X. Yeah. And it's like okay, but you made a movie for these other people, so right. why don't you let them? We talk know? about this all the time on right. the podcast. Yeah. I know. So let's vote. So I already said I think it's a high watch, low great watch. I think I'm going to split the. I think I'm going to split hairs on this. Mm-hmm. 
if you go if you're looking for a monster movie this is like a straight across the board hate watch don't watch it you're not going to enjoy it it's bad it's bad as a monster movie yeah if you're looking for an existential horror movie it's actually pretty good mm -hmm. and i would say it's a it's a low great watch uh on that level i think it does it really well especially factoring in it's 2002 and we weren't talking about stuff like this in movies really mm -hmm. especially not wide release things with like major hollywood stars in them like that wasn't a thing now we've got like the empty man which didn't get a theatrical release but like fucking rules like that movie was great and i mean that's also i mean it's got a monster in it it's got some you know some creepy fucking bullshit in it like mm -hmm. visual it's, it's got a little more visual panache in it but it also didn't have richard gear like it's got some mm -hmm. slightly lower tier stars because your budget is laid out a little bit differently. But it's like, again, like all vibes, very fucking bleak, like throughout. And it doesn't end on uh, any kind of happy ending the way this does. Um, but that movie's great and is kind of underseen. And I wish HBO would do a physical release so I could own it just in case they decide they want to delete it for no reason so they can save money. Because capitalism is a scam. Uh, it's both a death cult and a scam, which is weird. <laughs> it's two bad things. But, uh, yeah, so this is, depending on what you are looking for out of this movie, either, like, a really strong hate watch or a low great watch. I, 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 I dug it this time a lot more. I might be softening on films in my old age. Uh, I, I, you know, I do understand and acknowledge how hard it is to make movies, to make any goddamn movie. From the best thing ever to the, like, lamest fucking trite bullshit. It's hard to make anything. So I don't know how much that factors in, uh, you know, my reviews of things anymore. But, like, I dug this. I dug this. Not hard, but I did dig it. Yeah, I mean, for me, it's definitely a watch. Again, I enjoyed it. But the things I liked about it we didn't spend enough time with. And the things that I didn't care for, we do a bit of dithering. We do a bit of hand-holding in a way that I'm not totally in for. The actual, like, weirdness and the discussion of, oh, there might be, like, stuff beyond what we can perceive. We don't really spend enough time with that, and... No, it's it's at the fringes. Right. In a metatextual way. Sure. It's almost like we can't perceive that yeah. that's what they're talking about, because they actually did not put it in the movie enough. Right, right, right. <laughs> like, I don't... So it's, boom, big brain explosion meme genius. Yeah, so, I mean, like, a lot of the this, this stuff that, like, I respond to more either had more visual representations of these things or oh, sure. had, you know... Yeah, the visuals in this movie suck. It's not... Yeah, like, which is weird. I, I, and I did say it's not poorly shot. No, no, no. It's not that it's poorly directed or anything. And yeah. I, and I said there are interesting visuals... Mm -hmm. But what I meant is because it could literally just be people talking to each other in a yeah. room. It could just be two shots and then yeah. over the shoulders and that's it. And yeah. that would be telling the story yeah. effectively. Yeah. But this at least like there's abstract images. There's a lot of like establishing shots. They do like we mentioned some like stuff. They fudge some things to make it spookier. Like yeah. Ooh, the lightning is long this time. Yeah. And and there's do, a streak in the air. And there's they do the... some Dutch angles and we do right. some lighting. And there's and a there's spooky Y yeah. and there's two right. red lights yeah. and there's yeah, a glow yeah. over yeah. here or whatever. And like yeah. they do stuff to make it like, ooh, what is that? It's it's piquing my curiosity. Yeah. But at the same time, none of that is like really there. None of that is like intrinsic in the story being told. None right. of it matters. Yeah. So that sucks. Yeah. That's where I'm at with it. It's like visually, this is both kind of interesting for what it could have been, yeah. but sucks. <laughs> well, and okay. So I'm going to do, I'm going to do a drive by right now on under uh -oh. the silver lake. Uh-oh. <laughs> 
On a Silver Lake. Oh, uh, right. Yeah. Which that was a movie that we watched that has like a lot of like, like metatextual and subtextual stuff happening. And so it's very interesting to go on like a deep dive of like what people on the internet have to say about it. Right, and try but, to figure out the codes. But it doesn't necessarily make the movie more compelling to watch. Yeah. I, I appreciate the stuff like that exists and that people can really, like, you know, sink their teeth into it that way. But, like, this is sort of doing that kind of stuff where we have some stuff in there that you can be like, oh, yeah, there's this and that and the other thing. But then it doesn't actually enhance your viewing of the film in, I think, a very, like, concrete way. But, yes, what do you Sure, think? no, I agree with that. I think my argument for the under the silver lake is that putting so many like almost like arg seeming codes and Mm -hmm. stuff into the movie yeah and compelling people to try to solve them is metatextually uh what the movie is about i do i do understand that yeah it's closer to the the movie's about obsession with codes and patterns right right so having that in there is kind of necessary you know and i I get that and And that's not really what we're doing here as much no and it's about the anti-clim- the inevitable anticlimax of that. Yeah. Which, and you know. It will never answer everything. It will never right. solve anything. You will never right. be done in a satisfying way. Right. If you get anything, it will be a disappointment. Right. And that's what that movie is kind of about. Yeah. And I think that's really and, smart, and, but and, it was a again, frustrating experience. I, I do yeah. get that that's kind of a drive-by, but also that's sort of like the level of frustration that I'm getting here, where it's like yeah. we're, we're giving just enough to talk about these things, and we're doing some things visually that sort of echo that experience but it's not all coming together in a way that feels very artful or very satisfying and that's disappointing i agree yeah so yeah kind of a watch we don't know kind of yeah well i guess that's it yeah that better be it we talked long enough yeah you can visit our link tree which is l-i-n-k-t-r dot e-e slash h-w-g-w and that's uh, where to find links to stream the movie we're talking about. It's to get the new episodes. It's to find our social media. It's to visit the Movie John site. It's to support the Movie John Patreon. Patreon.com slash Movie J-A-W-N. You can actually get Tina's link tree on our link tree. Because, you know, because time and space mean nothing. You can put a tree inside a tree. I'm adding more things constantly when I think of it. But there's plenty of stuff on there. And uh, we drop new episodes if this is your first episode listening. Um, I hope you had fun. We drop new episodes every other Wednesday. That's every, every other, other Wednesday. Wednesday on moviejohn.com. Now do chapstick. Chapstick. <laughs> I guess that's uh, it. You did want to do the P.O. box. Oh, yeah. I don't know what it is, though. Oh. So I'll drop the P.O. box in here. Send it to Movie John, attention HWGW. P.O. Box 20172, Philadelphia, PA, 19145. If you want to send us any things, uh, that's where to send them to. Mm-hmm. Just send it, you know, to that address that I guess I said in there. Mm-hmm. I hope. If not, this is confusing, huh? <laughs> Thanks for listening. <laughs> Bye. Bye. like he's very he's a little sailor doll but he's very um like pockmarked i mean you can find pictures of him on the internet because bitches don't learn (laughs) well i hope they've all been cursed yes they have been because a lot of people apologize to him 
because then their life gets shittier. Oh, shit. Is that where yeah. Bobby Flay gets those two different color sauces he uses on everything? Is it ground up people that took photos of his doll? Maybe. I don't know. That's don't, the first I, rule of comedy, maybe. Yeah, I, I don't, don't know. I don't fucking <laughs> <laughs> People will tell you it's yes and. Those people are cowards. <laughs> I am waiting for a bus. Yeah, maybe you are. I don't know. <laughs> are you sure? Maybe you're at the hospital. <laughs> this has been a Movie John podcast. Mm, they put pepper yeah. on their soup. <laughs>